You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon, testimonies from reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Please subscribe, hit the bell, visit my website, eddietrask.com, for more information about my ministry. This week's guest is Mr. Robert Tunmeyer. Robert, welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Eddie. Thank you for agreeing to this. Uh, audience, just so you know, Robert uh, was executive vice president for what's now known as Neighborly. It used to be called Dwyer Group, I believe. And he also is a board member for Man in the Mirror, which we're going to talk about later. He's also the founder or co-founder of the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men. And what am I forgetting, Robert? There's another thing I was going to say. The... Uh... Uh, executive director and president of the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. That's right. Very, very important. So, uh, Robert, I'd love for you to cover your testimony front to back, and then we can get into your current endeavors. Sure. So, I'll get. I'll take you back to the beginning. My grandma was born and raised here in Waco, Texas, and uh, my dad was born here. Uh, his dad was uh, somewhat of an alcoholic. And dad pretty much grew up on the streets. Uh, he quit high school when he was 17 years of age and joined the Marine Corps, which you could do back then. And he met my mom out in California. Uh, they were married. And I was actually born in Southern California. Uh, grew up part of my life in California and in North Carolina. We moved back and forth. We spent, uh, my dad spent 20 years in the Marine Corps and he was he was a very serious marine he did uh he was a machine gunner on helicopters in vietnam very decorated uh he was a drill sergeant in san diego and so one of my uh disciplines is discipline i'm very disciplined and uh so he got out of the marine corps in 1973 and we moved to waco he spent 20 years in and i started high school here in waco texas small community outside of Waco called China Spring. And, you know, I was, uh, I was not the best child growing up. Uh, I gave my parents a fair amount of grief. And that continued when we moved to Texas. Uh, I really was not in the school at all. I started working at a very young age. In fact, I uh, got my first job when I was 15 at a hotel here in Waco. And after my freshman year of high school, I actually had two jobs. I worked at a hotel. I'd clean the bar and everything and wait uh, bus tables uh, from six in the morning till two in the afternoon. And then I had another job uh, at another restaurant here in town, the best restaurant here in town at the time. I worked from five till 11 o'clock at night. Um, and so I just kind of started living my own life, frankly, and by my mid sophomore year, it, I was on a pretty solid path to being dead or in jail. I mean, it was a pretty ugly road I was going down and frankly, really didn't care. Um, so I finished up my uh, sophomore year of high school, and uh, I got a call from uh, Don Dwyer, 
the beginning of June of 1975, his oldest daughter and I were in the same class together. And she knew that I was a worker. I worked a lot. So her dad had just started this company in March and he needed a hand for a day. And he called and it happened to be a day off from my job. And so he said, I need a hand. Didn't have any idea of what he was doing, but chance to make some money. So I went over and met him, went to their office, rode over, over on my motorcycle. And uh, I go inside and introduce myself. And he says, okay, come with me, uh, take you out to the job that we're doing. And I'll never forget this. It was, he was driving a beautiful Cadillac. And Eddie, I'd never been in a Cadillac before. And I, it was just a really, it was just something that stood out to me. And he took me out to the job that was being done. And he started a business called Guarantee Carpet Cleaning and Dying in Waco here. And he, he actually was partners with a guy out of Florida. And so my job was to move the furniture and to clean the edges of the carpet. So I did that all day. And the thing that intrigued me is he said, I will pay you 10% of what we do today. Not by the hour, but 10%. So the more we did, the more I could make. So at the end of the day, I was really excited about it. It went well. And I said, look, I'll quit my other job and I'll work for you for the summer. And he said, sure. So I quit my other job and started working for him. And after about a month, I really liked what we were doing. And he kind of took me under his wing and he told me I should start reading some books. And he told me what books to read. And he told me I needed to buy this program, this cassette program called Blue, Blueprint for Success. And I paid $65 to him for it. And I can remember going home and uh, showing my parents, my dad thought I was crazy paying $65 for this program. But I dived into it. And it was really about what you need to do to be successful. And the first book he told me to read was a book by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich, written about 1937 or something like that. Wow. So through, I started changing, rewriting my story, you might say. He helped me rewrite my story. After about 30 days, I went to him and I said, hey, why don't you let me run my own route? And instead of just being a helper, I said, I can do this. And he goes, you're 16 years old. <laughs> I said, doesn't matter, Don, I can do this. I'll sell my car, I'll sell my motorcycle, I'll get a, I'll get a van. And I'll, I can do this. And he said, okay, but I'm not going to give you any work. You're going to have to get all your own jobs. I said, no problem. I can do it. So I sold my car, sold my motorcycle, got a van, had it painted the way it needed to be painted and everything and got my equipment and off I went. Uh, I was a technician. And by the end of that summer, I was earning net three to $400 every week. Uh, I turned 17 in August, and I knew I wasn't going to go to college. So back then, they had a program called distributive education. 
which essentially means you can go to school half day and work a half day and get credit. So I would go to school from like eight to noon and then I'd go work. And I realized after a couple of weeks that when I was working full time during the summer, I was earning more than this teacher is earning. And I realized I can't do this for two more years. So I went to Don and said, Don, I want to open up a franchise. And he goes, Robert, you just turned 17. The franchise agreement wouldn't even be legally binding. I said, Don, I don't care. I can't keep doing this for two more years. I'm going to go open a franchise. So I bugged him for about a week and he said, okay, well, let's sit, let's sit down with your parents. And so I went to my mom and dad and I said, I was talking to my dad first. And I said, dad, I want to quit high school and I want to move to Lubbock, Texas and open up a franchise of the company. And I want to borrow $4,000. And my dad looked at me and he goes, go talk to your mom. <laughs> so I went and told my mom and I, I got to hand it to, 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 to my parents. I mean, I put them through some pretty serious grief, but they had faith in me. We met with Don and um, they, uh, they put up their furniture and their cars collateral for a loan. My, my brother was just starting college. Um, mom and dad didn't have a lot of money. And so, and I had a younger sister too. And so they said, okay, this is your one chance, Robert. This is all we can do for you. So mom went to school with me and signed me out of high school, much to the pleasure of the high school, I should say. <laughs> um, and uh, so I loaded up my equipment and what little I had, and I had $500 in my pocket. I owed money on my van. I owed $4,000 to the credit union. I, the franchise was $8,000. I gave Don 2,000 down, so I owed him $6,000. And so I'm driving to Lubbock, Texas, which is about seven hours from Waco, which I'd never been to before, thinking to myself, what have I just done? I mean, Eddie, I was scared to death. I mean, just scared, you know, but I knew that I could do it. So I went up there and just followed what I was taught to do. Funny little story though, I got there and it never occurred to me that someone won't rent you an apartment when you're 17 years of age. So I ultimately had to lie about my age to get a place to live. Unbelievable. So I opened up the franchise, did very well with it, and I sold it about oh, six months later to a guy that had asked me about it, and I sold it for $25,000. So I realized that you can make money opening these things and selling them. So I opened up another one in Wichita Falls, Texas, built it up, only had it for couple months and sold it for four times what I paid for it and then I moved to Eugene Oregon because growing up we'd been through there before 
and I liked it. I really wasn't from Texas. I didn't have necessarily a love for Texas. So I moved to Eugene, Eugene, Oregon and uh, did it again and uh, had that one for another six months or so and decided to come back to Texas. So I op opened up another one in Bryan College Station, Texas, which is about 90 miles from Waco and lived there for about seven years. Um, and I got married, uh, which is a whole different story. But anyways, um, was only married five years, no children, and uh, did very well with that franchise. Uh, as, as Don started really growing the business out nationwide, he asked me if I'd come and work with him, which I really didn't have a desire to do, but I wanted to know what it was he knew. And I figured the best way to find out was really work with him. So I, I also built a big drive-through car wash in Bryan College Station, Texas, first one there, and a, a big self-service car wash and, and did very well. I mean, I was 22, 23 years of age and by all means, very, very successful. And I sold the last franchise for $100,000 before I moved back to Waco. And so moved to Waco, got a divorce, moved back to Waco and, Started working with Don, really loved what we were doing and uh, became his right-hand man. And he was, he, he had six children and I became like his oldest son, really his oldest child and became very, very close to him. He, he taught me franchising inside and out. Uh, I was president of several of the brands and just really, really dug into what we were doing. So the flip side of it though, is I was a pagan heathen, frankly. Uh, I'd never been baptized, no religion in my life. Don was, Don and all of his family was Catholic. So funny part is I, I would go to Catholic church with him sometimes on Sundays. I'd meet him and the family and go to church and then we'd all go out to lunch. And it had no meaning to me whatsoever. It was a pure social thing, meeting him at church and going out to lunch. And so continue to live life, got married again in 86 to a, a lady that I'd met uh, and uh, really had no business getting married. I can remember telling her before we got married, uh, look, you gotta realize the business comes first. If you ask me to pick between you and the business, I'm going to pick the business, which in hindsight, saying that to someone is about as stupid, as pagan as you can get. Uh, why she married me was, was beyond comprehension. But anyway, so uh, continue to do business, invested in a lot of real estate and just very blessed business wise. But I worked like a maniac and, and, and Don passed away suddenly December 4th, 1994 of a heart attack. I stepped in and was president of the company for four years, which uh, was a very challenging time. Uh, I, we had our first child in 1991, Hunter, my oldest son. And then uh, the second child, Jake in July 
of 93. And I, as I, I started realizing that there's other things in life. It was, a, it was a really turning point. One of the turning points in my life is when the first son was born. And I realized that I, my life is out of balance. So I decided to start, start scaling back my work. And then when the second one came along, uh, even drove it home further. In fact, Don, in early 94, he asked me if I take over another division of the company. I said, no. I said, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to work more. And I laugh about it. Next thing I know, he passes away and I got to run the whole thing. You know, so anyways, about that time, uh, my wife then, we started, it was falling apart in a big way for a lot of reasons. Um, and so I filed for divorce about the time Don passed away. Oh, man. Um, had a three-year-old and a year and a half old son. And so a lot of going, lot going on and still no God in my life. So ended up getting a divorce and we had uh, shared custody. So I'd have the boys from one week and she'd have them one week. And I had a full-time nanny also. So did the business, started looking at things a little differently. Uh, was single for a number of years, raising the sons. That was my real focus. And toward the end of 98, I was thinking, you know, I think I'm missing something here. Not, it wasn't really like a, a dominant thought or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and a good, good friend of mine, we were, it was New Year's Day and we were having lunch. And I said, you know, Rick, I think there's more to life than, than this but I didn't know what it was. I mean, I just, you know, didn't know. So I was, it was the third Friday in January that year. And we had a conference out in Las Vegas that I needed to speak at. So I was going to fly out early on Friday morning. And I was, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. I was sleeping on my back, which I never slept on my back then. And our ceilings at the house are vaulted very high. And I was there alone. And there was this bright light at the top of the ceiling with a figure in it. And all it said was Robert. And then my whole body shook violently. And if my body wouldn't have shook violently, I would have just passed it off as a dream. But I didn't necessarily think a lot about it. So I flew to Vegas and spoke, and I was, had a late night flight out that Friday night. And uh, there was a, um, a magic shop over in uh, Caesar's Palace, the forum shops over there. So I was gonna stop in and get some uh, tricks for the boys, you know? And so I did that and there's an art gallery right there by it that I'd bought some art from before. So I popped into there and I was looking at this picture 
And I thought, wow, that looked great behind my desk. And um, sorry about that. Eddie, if oh, I no, no problem. No problem. Uh, so I was standing looking at this picture and all of a sudden the stock comes race, racing into my mind. You can't spend that money. It's God's money. And Eddie, I never had a thought like that in my life. Yeah, so I fly on back to Waco and uh, Monday morning, uh, my assistant comes in, Linda, who'd been with me for a number of years, comes in and goes, Robert, I went to this church this weekend. It was really a great experience um, down on Washington Avenue. And you know, you, you, you ought to look at going. Now my assistant knew I didn't go to church and anything. And, but I thought to myself, okay, this happened Friday morning. This happened Friday evening. Here's my assistant saying this to me Monday morning, all, all this within like 72 hours. Now I'm a slow learner. I have to admit sometimes, but I'm thinking to myself, well, shoot, maybe I should go to church. So the following Sunday, I went to church, Fellowship Bible Church as an evangelical church and it was really a neat experience i mean people were very friendly the music was good and uh to say that i could tell you anything that i got out of the message or anything like that that would be a lie but it was a nice experience so i thought to myself well maybe i should go again so i went again and uh once again, very neat experience. I met the assistant pastor, name was Buck Rogers. That was his real name. And same age as I was, really a, a neat guy. And uh, he said to me, he says, hey, you know, we have a newcomers class once a month before church, you ought to look at coming. So I thought about it and I thought, okay, well, maybe I should go to newcomers class and just see what they have to say. And so this was like first week in February or something like that. So I go to this newcomers class and Eddie, I'll never forget this. Just like it was yesterday. I was sitting in the newcomers class listening and it became evident. I mean, it's like I walked into a room that was pitch black and someone turned on the light. It was that stark to me that and I was 40 years of age at the time, it became very clear in my heart and mind that I had lived the first 40 years of my life absolutely backwards. I mean, it was, it was just that clear. And Linda was there that morning. I sat down next to her at church and I said, Linda, I just realized I lived the first 40 years of my life absolutely backwards. And uh, so after church, I went up and told Buck what had happened. And I, and I said, Buck, I don't know what to do next. And he goes, well, have you ever been baptized? I said, no. He goes, well, we need to start with getting baptized. So I was baptized February 28th, 1999. 
And funny part of the story is I met my now wife on February 6th that year. Um, her sister worked for me and we were having a gathering of one of the franchise organizations at my home and Kitty, my, my wife, was coming down from Fort Worth. She lived in Fort Worth, was an executive in Lockheed Martin. And her sister Janice says, hey, my sister's going to be in town. Can I bring her with me tonight? I said, sure. I didn't you know, think much about it. So that's that's in that time frame, God brought this incredible uh, Catholic woman into my life. So I became a Christian and Buck started coming by my office every week. We had an appointment every week, come to my office and we'd study scripture. And just my personality, once I dive into something, I dive in. I started reading books and books and books and listening to stuff. And about the same time, not too long after being baptized, a good friend of mine here in town, an attorney, David Alford, uh, called me and said, hey, Robert, this guy speaking at Columbus Avenue Baptist Church, a guy named Patrick Morley, he wrote this book called Man in the Mirror. You really ought to come and hear him speak. So I did. And that's where I met Patrick Morley. And uh, Pat and I struck up a relationship. And over time, as he started growing his ministry out, he knew we got familiar with my franchising background and he asked me to come and attend a a session that they were doing a training session for ministry to men around the country down in orlando just to observe uh, so i did and while i was there I'll, I'll back back up and catch up but interesting thing while i was there i was in my hotel room that friday night praying and reading and God put two things on my heart. He said, go back and get man in the mirror going in Waco and get ministry to men going in the Austin diocese. Now, Eddie, I wasn't Catholic. This was about 2002-ish or something like that. Mm -hmm. Couldn't spell Catholic. Never occurred to me to become Catholic. And because my wife, and I, she humored me. Sometimes we got married uh, in October of 2000, and um, which is a really fascinating story. Um, she said she never quit her job and moved to Waco. She had two daughters that were out of high school, uh, just out of high school. And she said, I I've done raising children. You have two young children. I mean, you know, so we dated for just a few months and then we stopped dating because just we were on different paths. Sure. Um, but the Holy Spirit intervened and, you know, quit her job, ultimately sold her house and moved to Waco. And uh, we have been married uh, 21 years this year. Been a been a blessing. So she would humor me, though, and sometimes we'd go to my church sometimes we go to catholic church and ultimately uh, we just started going to the catholic church all the time and 
never thought about becoming Catholic, got in, involved with the little men's group there, men of St. Jerome's. And just, you know, I would go up and receive communion. Uh, nobody knew I wasn't Catholic. Nobody ever asked me. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so uh, about, let's see, it was 2004. Yeah. 2000, no, 2003, the men wanted to have a camp out. And I said, well, you can, we can do it at my place. We have 28 acres. So they came out and this was like May-ish or something like that, 2003. And we're sitting around the campfire that night talking and, and Father Don was there. And they said, hey, Robert, why don't you share your story with us? We don't really know your story. So I did. And all of a sudden, they all look at me and realize I'm not Catholic. <laughs> and uh, but Father Don says something that was very moving to me. Uh, he said, Robert, he goes, I would not deny you communion. And uh, that really was moving to me. Um, so the next morning, a guy came up, a guy a little bit older than I was, and uh, Chuck Felderhoff. He says, can I talk to you, Robert? I was sure, Chuck. And he goes, have you ever thought about going to RCIA? I said, don't know what it is, Chuck. And he explained to me what it was. And I said, so one night a week for three hours for seven months? I said, I'll think about it. And he said, Robert, you really shouldn't go up for communion. And he explained to me why. And I looked at him and said, okay, well, I'll think about it, Chuck. So my wife and I talked about it. And um, she said, yeah, it's, you know, now that people know you're not Catholic, because I'm sure people are going to, it's going to run through the church pretty well. <laughs> And so I uh, quit going up for communion and decided I was going to go to RCIA in the fall, not with the intention of being Catholic, just to learn. And Chuck volunteered to be my sponsor. So I remember going to the first class. Kitty went with me to the first class, the introductory class. And I can remember going to drive at home and I tell her, I said, Kitty, I don't think there's anybody in that class that really wants to be there. They're either getting married to a Catholic or they're already married to a Catholic, but I don't think anybody really wants to be there. But I decided to go for it. And I told the teacher, I said, look, you can tell me what you believe all day long, but if you can't tell me why, I doubt you believe it. And so my mindset was, I'm going to go to class and I'm going to study. I'm going to go with all the questions I have and just dive into it. And I did. And I stumped him a few times, but uh, Chuck was really great. And he, like the second class, he pulled me aside and says, you know, Robert, now there are some mysteries. And I said, can't be any mysteries, Chuck. It's got to be 
everything's got to be clear. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he says, well, there are some mysteries that you won't understand. And I said, okay, we'll see. And uh, I did, I dived in and uh, I would go home at night and say, hey, Kitty, did you know this, 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 this? And, and about middle of the way, they played this as a VHS then uh, by Dr. Scott Hahn, The Lamb's Supper. And Eddie, it came together, boom, this is the truth. The Catholic Church is the truth. And then I started reading the early church fathers and, you know, learning. And so Deacon Ray Carter that was teaching the class part of it, uh, I, I went to him and I said, okay, I think I want to be Catholic. And he goes, well, okay, you've been married before? I said, yeah, twice. <laughs> and uh, he goes, how about your wife? I said, yeah, she was married twice too. Um, and he goes, we, we've got to get these marriages annulled. And because she was never married in the church, hers were very easy. She was like signing priest just signed off on him sure and no it's really funny eddie the first time i was married she was 16 i was 17 i was married in the catholic church yeah oh so anyways um and uh if my second wife hadn't been baptized I would have had no issues at all, really, because I had baptized in my two marriages. But anyway, so I had to go through two annulments, which is rather challenging. Really? Yeah, one's enough, too. Um, and so I kind of got tired of the process and just let it set. So when Easter came around, I couldn't come into the church and that was just like it was pain it was painful so i decided i'm going to get this done so this was early 2004 and i had most of the paperwork filled out and everything and none of my ex-wives were, were opposed to getting the annulments you know i was still on on terms with them good terms so but my life was kind of complex my first 40 years and finally deacon said look robert <laughs> i think you need to write out your first 40 year years and explain all this because the documents are not going to be able to explain it sure so i wrote an 11 page letter outlining my first 40 years and we put it with the paperwork. So sent it off and lo and behold, late September, both of my marriages were annulled. And Deacon Carter said, Robert, I've never seen a marriage get annulled so fast. He goes, that's incredible. But they were both annulled, so 
2004, I came into the church. Our marriage was blessed and uh, full communion with the church. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. And uh, Kitty, once I started RCIA, she quit going to communion also because, you know, we both agreed that, you know, we weren't living in a state of grace, obviously. Got it. Um, so she quit going up for communion also. And so it was really, you know, becoming Catholic was a, an incredible experience. And let me back up. We did, uh, a couple guys and I did get uh, a Bible study going called Man in the Mirror here in Waco. We had about 80 guys gathering every uh, Thursday. I rented a, a meeting room at the Hilton and it was all denominations. A friend of mine had a small church here and he did the teaching and I just did the organizing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really learned ministry to men through Man in the Mirror. And Pat and I continue to have a very close relationship. And he asked me to be on his board. And I said, you know, Pat, I, I really can't, you know, as long as I'm in business, I'm just don't have the time to devote to it. And, but I met, uh, let's see. So 2005, fall of 2005, I got a call from uh, then Bishop Amon and was well, assistant and he wanted to have dinner with kitty and i so i told kitty hey kitty i got a call from the bishop he wants to have dinner with us she goes how did you get a call from a bishop i've been catholic all my life i've never got a call from a bishop and i said kitty i know i did i never met a bishop before so fall of 2005 we go down to have dinner with bishop amon who's now archbishop amon of new orleans and so I go down and I have my legal pad and this whole thing wrote out about how there was, there's no minister men going on in the Austin diocese and here's what we need to do. Yeah. And he looks at me and says, do it, Robert. And I said, okay, that really wasn't what I was wanting to say, but that was just, you know, I yeah. was giving him the game plan. So, and at the end, I asked him, is there anything I can do for you, Bishop? And he goes, yeah, we're starting a capital campaign. I need a lead donor. I'd like you to write me a good check. And I figured out why he asked me to dinner. Um, and the thing that amazed me is that two things. One, first off, what makes you think I'd write you a check like yeah. that? Second. <laughs> what makes you think I can um but I told him we'd pray about it and discuss it I thought Kitty was going to fall out of her chair um but we talked about it on the way home from Austin and she was comfortable with it so I called Bishop next day and said hey I'll support you in it so um so we did, we launched the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men in June of 2006. We did a kickoff meeting here in Waco. Another part of the story, Patrick Morley, once I became Catholic, he introduced me to a gentleman that he knew, his name's Maurice Bloomberg, 
who has since passed away, who was the executive director of an organization back then called the National Fellowship of Catholic Men. And so Maurice and I had struck up a relationship and uh, really started getting involved with him. He was actually a Jewish convert to Catholicism. Wow. And he flew in from Maryland and, and spoke at the kickoff. And really a, a amazing man. That's where I met uh, a lot of other guys around the country that were Catholic. There was men around the country that were involved with the National Fellowship of Catholic Men. Uh, Kevin O'Brien, who's on our board, uh, Dan Spencer, who's a regional leader of ours, and just a good group of men. And worked with Maurice and um, supported the organization. Ultimately, the organization uh, dissolved because they just didn't know what they were wanting to do. But we just continued to do ministry to men. And st I stayed in contact with a lot of the men. And so as time went on and the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men grew, uh, today we're in like 43 died 43 parishes in central texas we're coming up on our ninth annual men's conference uh, july 10th uh, we've had 12 annual men's mass and so really been bearing great fruit yeah. what's the what's the um core objective of of the whole program is it similar to man in the mirror because i definitely want you to talk about that as well man yeah it's yeah it's really just you know we want minister men going on and as many parishes as we can meeting weekly and here's the thing that is so critical ministry to men works when men gather on a weekly basis and they build relationships I mean, if you think about ministry to men, yes, you you grow spiritually, you, you do different lessons and stuff, and you grow in your faith, but you build relationships, real relationships with other men. And so that's what we do. We have ministry to men going in 43 parishes now, the diocese. And so you think about ministry to men, in America, North America. That's what um, these men that I stayed in contact with, we started talking in early 2018. And they said, I think we need to do something. So a bunch of us met in Milwaukee three years ago to talk about ministry to men. And we, all of us there, decided there was about 60 men there. We decided that we needed to form an organization to get ministry to men going in every diocese. Because even today, there's only ministry to men going on in about 25% of the diocese in North America. So we launched the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. And we, we have our next summit coming up uh, Help oh, starts this Friday, actually, in Columbus, Ohio. And so we've built an organization, and the goal is to have minister men going on in all the dioceses in North America and beyond. 
We have a team of men that on the board, Father Larry Richards is on our board, Deacon Harebrook Sivers. We have a great guy in Canada, Sean Lynn, who's uh, one of the founders of God Squad up there in Canada. And we got a great board. And the Catholic Church is divided up into regions here in America. There's 14 regions, regions divided in the diocese. Uh, sorry, regions divided up in the states and then in, in the diocese. So we've built out a team of regional leaders. And now we're building out the state leaders. And we have <coughs> leaders of certain dioceses. And our goal is to build out a team of leaders of men to facilitate getting men, ministry to men going in all the dioceses. Got it. So the alliance, yeah. So the alliance exists to take what you did in Central Texas and make it a national thing, and make sure that that seventy-five percent that has not been covered. Yeah, I think you said right. Twenty-five percent right. of the parishes right. are participating. Um, so there are a lot of isolated men. <laughs> right. Exactly. And there's some good. I mean, uh, uh, men of Christ up in Milwaukee. There's some very good ministry to men going on in in the Catholic Church around. Uh, the men in uh, California, there's Southern California, Gill, who heads that up. Freddie and a group started it years ago. There's some very great ministry to men going on, um, but the dots weren't connected. Sure. Nobody knew who they were, uh, and they just operated in silos. So we're bringing the resources and bringing them together to connect the dots. Uh, we launched a... a technology platform in October called Heroic Men. And you know, one of the challenges in ministry to men is all the different ministry to men, they operate in silos. Yes. And, you know, which doesn't, it's not optimum. So with the help of the Augustine Institute, we partnered with them and they created a platform for us. Uh, and it's enabled us to bring ministry to men together. I mean, Steve Bowman, that man is used there, Exodus 90, Christophonic. I mean, all the ministry to men are coming together on a common platform. And it makes it very easy. You know, if you want to use the search program, if you want to use into the breach, you want to reach out to that man as you, you want to do Exodus 90, you want to connect with Chris and then real life Catholic. Yep. It's there. So, and it's free, it doesn't cost them anything. So we launched that as, as a technology platform to facilitate ministry to men with the real goal though, is that's, that's, just, that's just a tool. Boots on the ground, having leaders committed to ministry to men in the local parishes and every diocese, that's where it really happens. So ultimately, we want, we want two leaders in every diocese throughout North America. So that's the army that we're building out. And this meeting coming up this, this weekend is bringing our leaders together and fine-tuning what we're doing, um, some spiritual renewal, and building our relationships as a team. Because we didn't meet, we couldn't meet last year, obviously. Yeah. So we're coming back together all the leaders and uh, 
just fine tuning it and everything. So looking forward to seeing everybody again, actually. That's incredible. No, I, I applaud that um, effort. I have to admit our area, Treasure Valley, uh, Idaho, has some pretty strong uh, beginnings with yeah. the men's you, you ministry. Have, yeah, you have a guy there, Travis. Great guy. Great guy. Um, you know, Alan, our regional leader for the Northwest, he, uh, Alan from, from uh, Seattle, he and Travis are very connected. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you boys has got a, yeah, you, you had a uh, conference earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. The end yeah. of January. They just, yeah. um, they do such a great job. And I've talked to a number of people. So, like I told you, we moved here two, almost two years ago. And I've had a number of people say the exact same thing. We just moved. I didn't think I'd find this type of Catholic men's community. So yeah. it's happening. I love I love the fact that it's happening. But yeah, we're, there are a group of men here that are uh, on fire to get yeah. what you're talking about off the ground and really promote yep. heroic men and continue to get guest speakers to come to the Valley. A lot yeah. of exciting things happening for sure. Yeah, I just think what would happen if we had that going on in every diocese. Yeah. I, you, know, you know, one of our one of our foundational goals is to get a million men meeting on a weekly basis. Catholic men. That's our first kind of benchmark. Well, I think back to when I uh, was isolating myself. And if you look at whatever church you're going to, if they don't have a program that's active, you're going to use that as an excuse and you're yeah. going to put it on the church. Oh, they don't have anything. I'll yeah. just stay here in, in the corner. Yeah. But with what you're doing, there won't be those excuses because these men will be talking about these programs and they'll realize just like Exodus 90, we did this uh, just a few months ago with a group of nine or 10 guys. We were all admitting we needed this. We need to talk about this. We can't you know, just let it go the rest of the year and then try to pick it back up. We got to, we got to stay in contact. So we got to do a better job at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, and then we, we, we try to get men to realize you, you don't take the summer off. Yeah. You keep meeting because when a guy, when guys quit gathering, they fall away. And it's just, it's amazing to me how many Catholic men that I've met that, that were Catholic, cradle Catholics oftentimes. Yeah. And they weren't engaged in their faith. I mean, they're, I mean, yeah. Did they go to mass? Yeah. But it, it was like, it was not really meaningful. And when a man becomes on fire for his faith, it is just amazing how God will work through that man. Yeah. And the more men we can help get on fire for their faith, oh, the impact can be incredible. Yeah. Well, a lot of people talk about this. I've heard videos, countless videos about this. Oh, the reverts and the converts are on fire. Where are the cradles? Well, I'm hearing stories about cradle Catholics. One, one story I just heard. This gentleman in his early 20s was asked by a family member, will you be a godparent? That question, just he was just this, I guess, cafeteria Catholic. 
right that one question lit a fire under him i'm going to take this boy under my wing i'm going to learn what the church teaches why i believe what i believe and yeah. he is on fire doing podcasts doing all kinds of stuff just because of that simple question yeah will you be it, my godparent will you be a godparent you know yeah well you know that's why we just this past weekend uh we 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 launched an initiative this year Catholic Father's Day, Catholic Father's Day procession, Eucharist processions. Oh, wow. And we're going to do it every year throughout North America. And so we, this was the first annual one. We had, I don't know the full number yet, how many processions we had going on around the country. Incredible. So it's just, it's, it's those things that you know, men come alive. I mean, yeah. We had one here in, 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 in Waco here, and it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And, you know, families were out there, the wives, the children. Wow. So, and we, um, and we, and we, these are the things we need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I applaud the fact that you've had to, that you put this together uh, with a great group of men is phenomenal because it's not going to just happen organically we yeah. we can admit that to be tasked to bring this together and form an alliance is 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 phenomenal so yeah and i left my uh, job of 44 years uh a year ago in october so i could devote my full-time talents and treasures to this awesome and so what i'm really doing is is taking everything that I learned in my business career and applying it to ministry to men. And I told Pat uh, with man in the mirror that when I left my career, I would join his board. So I kept my word and a year ago, November, I joined Pat's board. And the great thing about man in the mirror, they're not about whether you're Catholic, whether you're, you're Protestant, whatever right. they're about all men so I, I i enjoy being a part of the board and, and i learned so much from man in the mirror that we can bring over to catholic men so you know it's probably a little bit selfish on my part <laughs> you know and so and they're and they're happy to share everything everything they do so anyways it's really it's it's a great relationship Everybody, no, just the fact that you can be together collaboratively is 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 good yes yeah. yes yeah amen well robert thank you so much for that amazing testimony um i appreciate your time once again thank you for everything that you're doing at another time maybe we can talk about i'm just so fascinated about at 17 how you were getting clients that quickly <laughs> <laughs> to where you'd build the business and then sell it. But uh, we'll have to save that for another yeah. time. Um, I love the entrepreneurial spirit. Everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Um, actually, this, I hope, will be on the Heroic Men platform and we can keep building the ministry. Uh, part of men's ministry is also to have men hear testimonies from other men. So that's going to be a big focus coming up in the future. So until next time, take care and God bless. Bye. Thanks, Betty.